The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Our meditation this morning is based on a word of Jesus to each one of you and to me this morning. And that word of Jesus was shared with us earlier by the pastor. It comes from the gospel lesson. It's the familiar story of the second coming of Jesus with the goats on the left and the sheep on the right. And to the sheep on the right, Jesus said, Come, you blessed of my Father. Receive the inheritance prepared for you from the foundation of the world. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, when I was in prison, when I was sick, when I was uh, naked, a stranger, even as you have done it, to the least of these my brothers, so you have done it to me. These are the words of Jesus to each one of you and to me this morning. In the name of Christ, dear Christian friends, it happened at a parochial school. As a matter of fact, it was a Lutheran school. And it happened in the lunchroom. You know, the lunchroom is really a favorite place of students, isn't it? Particularly in grade school. Every time I ask my grandchildren what their favorite courses are, they'll say either lunch or recess. So it's pretty important. Anyway, at the beginning of the line, there was a huge bowl of apples. And at the base of the bowl, there was a note there placed by the teacher. And this is what the note read. Please, guys, take only one, because God is watching you. <laughs> now, at the other end, there was a big platter of chocolate chip cookies. And at the base of the platter, there was another note there. This time placed there by one of the students. And this is what the note read. Guys, you can have all you want because God is watching the apples. <laughs> I'm here this morning to tell you about children who in fact don't have chocolate chip cookies. As well as the poorest of the poor, in the 17 Latin American countries in the Caribbean. Now, friends, make no mistake about it. These children do have cookies. Let me tell you about the cookies that they have. Their mothers take them out of, shape them out of mud and put them in the sun to dry. And after these cookies are dried, they put them in a little bouillon, add some sugar for taste, and these are the cookies that they give to their children. And the reason they give their children these cookies is not because they love their children any less than any other mother. Not because they're trying to teach their children a lesson. But they give their children these kind of cookies because the mothers have learned that at least these cookies take away the pain from their hunger. My name is Jerry Kovac. I served as a pastor in the LCMS for 41 years. Shortly after I retired, I joined the team at Food for the Poor. And I'm carrying out this part of my ministry in my elderly years in memory of my grandson, Nick. And let me tell you a little bit about Nick. 
At the age of six years old, Nick died after a very courageous three-year battle with cancer. Now, when he was still an infant, you see, his parents, who were committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, brought him to the baptismal font. So that little Nick was baptized into the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so on that very memorial day, you see, and memorable day, God performed a wonderful miracle in his life, didn't he? Through the power of word and the sacrament, God, even as an infant, gave to Nick the gift of a faith, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that same miracle happened in your lives, probably all of your lives, even when you didn't even remember. God performed a miracle in your life through the power of water and the Word. He connected you to the Lord Jesus Christ so that the victory of Jesus Christ, you see, is your victory. His victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil is your victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that even as an infant now, little Nick, you see, had Jesus miraculously in his heart and on his lips. Now as Nick began to grow, his parents took baptism serious and say they used to have family worship they used to tell their children about the Lord Jesus Christ. And before they went to bed without fail, they would have their prayers and again hear about Jesus. So that in the family environment, as little Nick was growing, he had Jesus in his heart and on his lips. When he was old enough to go to preschool and he was able to go, they enrolled him in a Christian school. As a matter of fact, it was one of our Lutheran schools. And every day that Nick went to school, you know who he, who he heard about? Jesus. And he saw Jesus modeled in the lives of those Christian teachers. So that in his school life, Nick had Jesus in his heart and on his lips. The last six months of his life he spent in the hospital, the last six weeks in the intensive care unit. Now at the church they attended, there were two pastors. And every week without fail, the pastors would make their way to the hospital at different times. And they spent an unusual amount of time with little Nick. And you know what they did with him? They told him stories about Jesus. They assured him that even though his life was not easy and he was hurting, that nevertheless Jesus loved him, that Jesus cared for him, that he was a member not only of his earthly family, but he was a member of the family of Jesus. He was a brave little boy. I remember when it was my duty overnight one time. He was on the respirator at that point, and you know they have this wand that they take. The nurse came in to do that procedure and Nick grabbed it from the nurse and he did it himself. But even while he was in the intensive care unit, even while he was dying, Nick had Jesus in his heart and on his lips. When he died, it's only because of the conviction the family had that the victory of Jesus was Nick's victory. 
that through the waters of baptism, God performed a miracle in his life. And that by hearing about Jesus again and again and again, being assured of Christ's presence in his life, that he was a child of God, that he was forgiven, that one day there would be a happy reunion. It's only because of those convictions that the path to healing was paved. And the reason I tell you this is I'm doing this in his memory, you see, because Food for the Poor is a ministry to a large degree about children, about little children like Nick, who have an earthly hope that little Nick never did have. And that hope for these millions of children, to a large degree, rests in the hands of people like you and like me. You know, Concordia Publishing House puts out uh, two prayer, red prayer books. One of the red, uh, prayer books is called My Prayer Book, a tremendous tool because it has prayers in there for all occasions. Well, there's a prayer entitled, The Grace to Live a Consecrated Life. And in the second paragraph of that prayer, it goes like this, Lord, give me a thankful heart and a daily determination to live like Jesus. As God's people, you have the wonderful joy, the privilege, and often the challenge of living out the vocation of being the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus in today's world. As God's people, you have the joy, the privilege, and often the challenge of carrying out the words of St. Paul, those words that he wrote to the congregation at Corinth, and those words that continue to be given to the people of God here at St. Paul. Let the love of Christ control you as you live out the vocation of being the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus right here where God has planted you. As God's people, you have the joy, the privilege, and the challenge of responding to what God has done for you through Jesus Christ by living out the words to that prayer, Lord, give me a thankful heart and a daily determination to live like Jesus as you live out the vocation of being the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus in today's world. You know, in our text, it's an interesting one. It reminds me of the movie Back to the Future. Maybe some of you have seen it. And I think a sequel's coming out. Because that's what it's doing, isn't it? It takes us to the end of the world, doesn't it? It's the second coming of Jesus. And I know there are a lot of people who complain and they say, well, the church is not going to, you know, we're losing members and blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the church isn't going to be around much. Uh, don't believe a word of it. Here we are at the end of the world and who do we have on the right? At the end of the world, you have the sheep on the right, right? People who are filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. People who have lived out the vocation even to the end of the world of being the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus. But you know what's fascinating about this text for me? What it Jesus doesn't ask. Jesus does not ask. And I would expect him to. Well, Jared, did you keep the Big Ten? Wouldn't you expect him to ask that? And so in confirmation, I know when I was a kid, they, the pastor used to question us, you know, 
Much of it was on the Big Ten. But he doesn't. You know, when you're growing up, very often you get the impression that following the Lord Jesus Christ is very similar to just being moral. But there are many people who are not Christian in this world who are perhaps more moral than you and I. They won't even let, I know some people, they won't even let caffeine touch their lips and get into their system, they're so moral. Well, there was a bunch like that at the time of Jesus too, you remember. They were called the scribes and the Pharisees. They not only kept the law, but they did more than keep the law. When they were told, the law said fast once a, once a week, well, you know what, they, they did it a couple times. But remember what Jesus said about them. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Following Jesus, you see, the surprise, the surprise. It's being the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus in your world. And so he asks at the end, at judgment, not were you good, but did you allow me to live through you? When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me drink? You know, we probably, th we probably think we do a pretty good job about, of, of keeping the commandments, too, in our, in our own ways. I know I do. Yeah, we go to church, we pray. You know, we're pretty good folks. Murder? We don't murder anybody. You know, all those bad people. But then on second thought... You know, the other day I was at Walmart in uh, St. Louis. It seems to be a major entertainment event. <laughs> and so I went there and I was trying to find a parking place and, you know, the place was jammed. I think everybody in South St. Louis was there. And I was trying to find a parking place close to the door. I don't like to park too far away because that's a little too much exercise, more than I want to get. <laughs> and so I finally saw this car there uh, the white lights. And I stopped and waited and put my blinker on even and waited and waited. And by the way, when people know you're waiting, they're going to take just a little long, longer. That's what the studies indicate. They study everything. Finally, they pulled out and lo and behold, someone drove right around, right into my parking place. And I have to confess that I didn't feel like the old Bob Schuler. You know, he used to say, smile, God loves you, and so do I. I wasn't feeling that at the time. <laughs> Whoever is angry with his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Thank God that as the pastor said before we go through the commandments that we are forgiven through Jesus Christ. But the sheep you see are people who have Christ in their hearts. And it's a lifestyle, isn't it? A lifestyle that reflects the lifestyle of Jesus. A lifestyle of caring. Jesus cared about the individual. 
A leper comes to him and he leaves and he's made whole. A blind man comes to him and he leaves seeing. A deaf man comes to him and he leaves hearing. 5,000 people are before him and they're hungry and they left and they were full. It's about, you see, being the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus in today's world. After World War II, a soldier was coming back and he wanted to get home. And so that soldier inadvertently knocked over a fruit stand on the train platform that was being manned by a little boy. And he felt bad for the little fella because he saw that the more he tried to gather the apples, the more they scattered. So you know what he did? He put down his suitcase, he got down on one knee, picked up the apples one by one and placed them back on the fruit stand. And the little boy was so excited that he went up and he pulled his sleeve and he said, Soldier, soldier, are you Jesus? And the soldier said, No, but I try to act like him. You see, the soldier in his relationships was trying to live out the vocation of being the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus in today's world. And so Food for the Poor is a ministry. It's a ministry of people. But people who are different, people who are trying to live out the vocation in their lives of being the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus, and so they feed the hungry. When I was hungry, Jesus said, you fed me. Not Charlie across the street, not the one across town, but you fed the hungry. And so we feed the hungry. We feed millions of them. Two million every day, six days a week. When I was over there in Haiti, I worked at the feeding station. And that one day, we fed between twelve and 14,000 people. Have you ever looked into the faces of that many hungry people in one day. I have seen hunger up close. My wife and I brought a couple of boys over from Korea when it was still a third world country. As a matter of fact, actually, I have something in common with Oregon. We got them uh, from an agency out of Holt, uh, Holt out of Eugene, Oregon. I think they're probably still there. But anyway, the first one we got, he was only 10 months old, and yet he had a large stomach, we thought that he was heavy, but he was malnourished. He had scabies under his skin, parasites, and we had to give him uh, pills to get the worms out of his body, just like we did our pets. And he had a problem, though. He would bring up food after every meal, and we couldn't figure out why. And so we took him to the doctor. It was back in Miami, Florida at the time of the influx of the Cuban refugees. And we got a hold of a doctor who was a refugee himself, plus he treated refugees free. And so we took a little Sing Yong Su, who is now Stephen, and we explained the symptoms. And he said, you know what? Even at 10 months old, his body is so programmed that he doesn't know whether he's going to eat or not again. And so you have to just cut off his food. You can't let him eat everything that he wants because he wants it no matter how hard he cries, how loud he cries, or how long he cries. Stop his intake until he learns that he's going to eat again. That's how important food is in the lives of children. Our six-year-old who we brought over, and they aren't brothers and we brought them at different times. 
When we picked him up at the port of entry in those days, he didn't have to go over there in New York City. He got off of that airplane and he looked like he was three years old. And in one year on the American diet, he grew six inches. Food, so important and vital, especially to the children of the world, in affecting their brains and their bodies. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. A billion people, it's hard for me to believe, maybe it isn't for you, but a billion people still don't have safe drinking water. We suck on water all the time, don't we? Everything is about staying hydrated, about drinking your water. Well, a billion people don't have that luxury. Every 35 seconds a little child dies because of diseases related to poverty. A lot of it is unsafe drinking water. We Lutherans pride ourselves, don't we? We're pro-life. We board the buses and go to Washington, D.C. and join the whole company of pro-lifers. And I'm here to tell you that pro-life means more than protecting the unborn. It means feeling a responsibility to the children of the world who are living and who didn't choose, just like you didn't choose to be born where you were born and I didn't, they didn't choose to be born into that horrible Poverty. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was sick, you ministered to me. That's why we build hospitals and run clinics and distribute vitamins. That's why we really care about the sick. They don't have an umbrella. They don't have the luxury of arguing like we do. We'll argue until eternity about uh, how we're going to do this care or that care. But the fact is, anybody can get care in the U.S. by going to an emergency room over there. They don't get care, they just die. And not only that, we've declared a war on poverty. That's why we build schools. Some of them are Lutheran schools. So that with the next generation, there will be hope of breaking the shackles of poverty. That's why when I was in Honduras, we had a teaching farm there where we brought farmers from all over the country and we taught them little things about how to get more out of their crops and more out of their animals so that they can break the shackles of poverty and help their own communities. That's why we underwrite small businesses. We have fishing villages throughout the Latin American countries. You've heard the old saying, it's one thing to give a fish sandwich to a hungry man, but it's a different thing, isn't it, to teach him how to fish. And so not only do we feed the hungry and provide safe drinking water and minister to the sick and even the prisoners. Last holiday, last Christmas, we brought about the release of over 300 in about three of our countries. They were in prison, you see, for doing things like stealing food, for getting behind in their rent. They don't have rights over there like you and I. And we do it at Christmas in Easter because it's in the name of Jesus. All of this ministry goes on, 96 cents. And you can look that up on the internet. 96 cents, uh, Charity Navigator, Forbes Magazine's charity issue. 96 cents about of every dollar goes for the ministry. I invite you to take out the brochure that's in your worship folder and you can uh, see what we do. 
It's a resume of our ministry. A very good one in uh, such a short. They did a real good job. And what you can do is you tear it along the perforated line. You could put this on your refrigerator. You know, Max Licato said that uh, he loves each one of you so much that if uh, God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Well, I'll put this on it to remind you of God's children. First of all, the sadness, but they are happy because of people who live out the vocation of being the hands, the feet, in the heart of Jesus. Well, on the other side, there's an envelope, and you're looking at a place for your name and address. If you want to be a partner, you can fill that out. And there's a place if you want to be a monthly giver. Now, some people say, well, I can't give much. I got a family. I'm retired. There's no such thing as giving too little when you put it into the hands of Jesus. Remember the story of the 5,000. I would have made a terrible disciple. If I was in one of the disciples and Jesus said, hey, give these folks something to eat, I would have said, oh, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, Lord. There's no 7 and 11s around here. Where are we going to give them something to eat? And then when Andrew had the gall to bring a little boy's lunch of a few fish and bread, I would have thought to myself, Andrew... That's ridiculous. But then it got into the hands of Jesus, didn't it? Boy, and he opened that lunch bag and he started handing out that fish and that bread and that fish and that bread until everybody was filled. So much so there were 12 baskets. There's no such thing as giving too little when you put it into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and the hands of people who are living out the vocation of being his hands in the world. There is no such thing. So even if you can only give $10 a month, 40,000 people do it and you can add up the math. Anyway, you could adopt a child for $34 if you don't want to have children of your own. Or you're too old like me. And the like. Well, anyway, if you want to become a partner, fill out that information, put your donation in the envelope, seal it, hand it to the pastor or myself uh, after the worship service. Or if you're savvy and you have a cell phone and you don't, you know, want to go through all the, uh, this trouble and write a check, you can just put uh, kindness in the message and two five one five 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 one five five five. And if you don't want to become a partner, don't put your name on the envelope. But you can still change a life by the envelope you hold in your hand. By doing what? When I was hungry, you fed me. A compassionate gift of $50 will take care of a child for a whole year. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And so forth. And so I close with this particular story. Uh, Martin of Tours was a Roman soldier and he entered a large city and there were beggars at the gates of the city. But he had no alms to give. And so he looked at the man and he saw that he was cold. He didn't have a coat. So he was blue. Well, he took off his old soldier's coat and he tore it in half and he gave half to the beggar. That night, Martin of Tours had a dream. And in his dream, 
He saw Jesus surrounded by angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. And then, all of a sudden, an angel said, Jesus, Master, where did you get that coat? And Jesus said, from Martin of Tours, even as you have done it to the least of these, my brothers, so you have done it to me. God bless you and thank you for all the ministries you do. We know that this is only one among many. All the ministry you do in the name of Jesus. And I personally thank you for representing me here as members of the body of Christ. I can't be here, but together as members of that same body, you represent me here and I represent you where I go. So thank you for all the faithful ministry of supporting this witness to Jesus Christ to this community, and to the world. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.